Godspeed, John Glenn. Three, two, one, zero, 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 all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. Capsule is turning around. Hey everyone, my name is Oscar, and I want to welcome you all to the Space Spot, a podcast where we talk all about space, with of course, room for more. Today's episode will be less dark after last week's, and we will look at the first human spaceflight program and the heroes responsible for making it work. And of course, having our weekly dose of space. This is Major Oscar to ground control. All systems are go for launch. Houston Discovery, go ahead. This week's weekly dose of space covers a lot of topics relating to engineering and of course improving communications and systems on space travels. Starting on Friday, NASA LaserCom mission just transmitted its first laser, and this is a huge milestone to have a better communications on Earth. On Monday, NASA announced that they are testing a new type of heat shield for future space capsules. Tuesday, Blue Origin tested components for their new New Glenn rocket. On Wednesday, it was announced that officially the Axiom 1 space tourist mission will be scheduled for liftoff on March 30. And finally, on Thursday, NASA astronaut Mark T. Van High is going to currently rake the record for longest single spaceflight mission. He currently holds 300 days on board the ISS. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. The story so far. On October 4, 1957, Sputnik changed the way people view space travel. It wasn't just a merely work of fiction anymore. It was something possible. A Soviet man-made object was really traveling their heads as they chatted. The USA naturally made attempts to catch up, all of them having failures, until January 31, 1958, with the launch of the Explorer 1, the USA's first satellite in orbit. Something to note about the Explorer 1 is that unlike Sputnik, Explorer 1 was the first scientific satellite to orbit our planet, being able to study the cosmic rays and measure the radiation environment of Earth's lower orbit. Explorer 1 was the first one to discover the Van Allen belts, a radiation belt which protects our planet. Following the success of Explorer 1, various other Explorer satellites were sent, all of them being successful, except for Explorers 2 and 5, which failed due to rocket problems. As we learned last episode, the Soviets were having a significant advance in rocketry technology, launching animals and satellites into space. The USA was second in a race of two, and in 1958, there was an attempt to change this mistake. On October 7, 1958, NASA received approval from the USA government to initiate Project Mercury, originally dubbed as Project Astronaut. The project was named because of the Greek mythology god with the same name. And the reason for the name is also due to the fact that various rockets that were used to launch satellites and other animals' test flights were named from the same origin, mainly rockets like Atlas and Jupiter. The objective of the Mercury Space Program was to place a man in orbit around the Earth and study its performance capabilities to work and survive in the environment of space, and recover man and the spacecraft safely once back from Earth. Aside from its objectives, Mercury had the following detailed requirements for the program's spacecraft. The spacecraft needed to have a launch escape system to separate the spacecraft and its crew from the launch vehicle in case of impending failure. 
The pilot must be given the capability of manually controlling the spacecraft. The spacecraft must carry a retro rocket system capable of reliably providing the necessary impulse to bring the spacecraft out of orbit and must be able to perform water landing. Since the spacecraft was made in the 1950s, the spacecraft systems were actually derived from existing technologies with some slight modifications. Some of these modifications were made for reliability and flight safety, and some of these modifications that were notable were having instruments for sensing oxygen and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, atmospheric pressure of the cabin and the spacesuit, etc. What was even more challenging for the project at the time was a way to have the spacecraft being tested without any crew inside and to have a way to be operated with someone inside and all the reactions and capabilities. So in order to have this way of operational function, the engineers of NASA made the systems inside the spacecraft automatic with having a backup system that allowed human input to it. For the Mercury spacecraft being able to be built, 12 companies spent over $20 million, which is $178 million at the moment of the recording, adjusting economic inflation rates. The capsules main contractor, or the company designated to build the spacecraft, was McDonnell Aircraft Corporation. Another company named North American Aviation was also rewarded the contract to develop the Little Joe, a launch escape system that was the responsible one to save astronauts in case something went wrong at the moment of launch. Since at the time having someone out of Earth was hard to imagine, communication was going to be somewhat difficult. If something Sputnik did prove was that it was indeed possible to have some sort of communication between an object in space and Earth through the use of radio transmissions. And for that, the company, Western Electric Company, supplied a worldwide tracking network through the use of ground transmitting towers all around the world. If you like cars, here is a fun fact. Did you know that Chrysler was also responsible for making the Mercury program possible? This is because Chrysler had a factory down in Hudsonville, Alabama, where the Redstone rocket, or the rocket that will carry astronauts to space, was being built. Virtually throughout all the country, different facilities were open in order to test equipment, build, or even train astronauts. The Mercury space capsule was actually very short compared to what some of you might have expected, being only 3.3 meters tall and 1.8 meters wide. What made the spacecraft taller to appear was purely the launch escape system, having a tall height of 7.9 meters once fully assembled. Aside from those measurements, the capsule itself was very tightly packed, having only 2.8 meters cube of space for you to move around. The rest was filled with 120 controls of the spacecraft, 55 of them being electric switches, 30 fuses, and 35 mechanical levers. Being the first spacecraft, most of the times it was very lightweight compared to today's standards. The heaviest recorded capsule was actually the last one flown to space, being weighed at 1,400 kilograms. The capsule was shaped as a cone and contained six elemental parts. The first one being the retropact, this helped the spacecraft guide its back. The capsule was shaped as a cone and contained six elemental parts. The first one being a retropact, this helped the spacecraft guide it back to Earth for splashdown. The heat shield to protect the crew from burning from reentry. The crew compartment, this is where the astronaut would sit. The recovery compartment, or just a fancy term for where to store the parachute for landing. The antenna section for communication with ground control, and of course, the famous launch escape system. The capsule also had another feature. Inside its structure was a landing skirt or just a huge airbag to make the capsule float on the sea. If you have found out by now, no computers on board were inside the capsule, 
Instead, all the trajectory and calculations that were required for the mission were bathed by humans on Earth by hand, and later diagnosed and checked by huge, bulky, heavy computers on Earth that were stored on the NASA facilities. And now it's time for a new section in the show called, Do you have what it takes to be an astronaut? Let's suppose you found out that your good old buddy Martin McFly left unattended his DeLorean time machine and you decided to jump back in time and become an astronaut for the Project Mercury. What would it take for you to be selected? The requirements were, well, they were just hard to be made. After all, no one has ever gone to space before. By the end of 1958, various ideas came up to the discussion of how to select the right people for the job. But ultimately, it was settled by the president at the time, Eisenhower, that the task belonged in the hands of military test pilots. These are pilots that are trained to be capable for testing aircrafts that were new or heavily modified. This filtered a lot of candidates, mainly women, as in the time period, they were banned from becoming pilots, civilian pilots, and basically common people like you and me. Further specifications included being between 25 and 40 years old, no taller than 1.80 meters tall or 5 feet 11 inches and hold a college degree in a science, technology, engineering or maths subject. From 508 candidates that applied, 110 were only selected to interview and from those, 32 were selected for further mental and physical exams and only 7 candidates got the golden ticket to become astronauts. If you didn't meet the requirements, well, I'm sorry. But hey, if you had a good memory, maybe you could bet on some sporting events and win a few bucks. April 9, 1959 was the turning point for history. What we just talked about was all secretly being made. No one knew the progress of the candidate selection. And on that day, the world met the first seven astronauts. Alan B. Shepard Jr., Virgil I. Gus Grissom, John H. Glenn Jr., Walter M. Shira Jr., M. Scott Carpenter, L. Gordon Cooper, and Donald K. Slayton. These ladies and gentlemen are the nation's Mercury astronauts. <laughs> Discovery Houston, recommend a vector transfer to the BFS. America's original seven heroes will become the first people to make it to space and demonstrate that the USA was the superior country in space. And nothing could go wrong. Hello? Uh, what? What do you mean? What do you mean someone else made it to space first? Who? A dummy? You mean as in a realistic looking doll? That sounds ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. The project, this project was so secretive and of its advances and, and nothing was filtered out to the public unless... Oh boy. It all makes sense now. That Soviet rocket scientist. Of course. Well, sit down, folks, because this one is a blockbuster. You don't want to miss. But in the meantime, my name's Oscar. 
Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. The link both of them will be in the description. And until next time, I will talk to you in the future. Peace. Wheel stop. Roger, wheel stop, Discovery. Welcome back. A great ending to the new beginning. <laughs>